perhaps the Lord will work for us. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving. This is the Perhaps Podcast. On this episode of the Perhaps Podcast, I'm joined by Rachel and Dalen Smith. Rachel and Dalen, both young professionals as well as university students, share on how their ministry background, the things they're studying, and their gifts and passions help them to join in the fight against human trafficking. Throughout this conversation, you will get to hear their stories on how they got involved in the issue and what you can do to join them in the fight against sexual exploitation and trafficking. I'm so excited to have you guys join me today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. So today we will be having a conversation on sexual exploitation and trafficking and how it's such a growing issue. Um, But hopefully listeners will be encouraged hearing your stories and seeing that everyone has a part to play and that everyone can be involved in bringing it into trafficking. Um, So Rachel, starting with you, you've been fighting this cause for a long time now, both as a volunteer and vocationally. Um, So to start us off, could you share a bit on how you got involved in the first place? Yeah, it's a long story. Looking back, you can see all the different pieces, I think, that led me to a career in the anti-human trafficking world. But the Cliff Notes version for first getting involved is traveling uh, to Southeast Asia on a mission trip with my mom, actually, when I was 14 years old and working with survivors of the commercial sex industry and sex trafficking and seeing that firsthand at such a young age, especially working with survivors who were my own age, who were 14 at the time, and seeing that dichotomy of the life that I had been given and the things they had been through and just the platform I had been given, even as a 14-year-old. I think once you get that perspective and once you see something, it's hard to look back from that. And so I have kind of moved forward in that field ever since that experience through traveling, through uh, church administration and local missions, through nonprofit work and event planning and fundraising. And now, you know, starting a journey on law school, going into the policy side of things, I've just been able to get experience in this issue from all sorts of different avenues. But that's really where it started was just seeing it firsthand. And Dalen, you, I would love to hear about your first exposure to human trafficking and why you're passionate about this cause. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Rachel's story is very unique, getting started at such an early age. For me, it was, and like a lot of people, I had a pornography addiction for a long time growing up. Um, And it was actually at a conference that someone talked about where pornography was one of the biggest contributors to human trafficking. Uh, And for me, that was honestly one of the biggest motivators factors for me to stop looking and stop the addiction of pornography uh, and really doing a lot of research as far as, you know, a lot of the statistics with human trafficking. And then obviously that was fueled a little bit more because uh, the Passion Conference, they were big with the Indian movement. So, so I kind of, I think with a lot of people kind of follow the normal avenues and routes at a much older age. Um, and then obviously being married to Rachel, that's such a huge part of our life now. And so that's definitely only fueled a lot more of that passion and drive for um, anti-human trafficking, especially just kind of volunteering a lot with the organization she works with right now. And then hearing a lot of the stats, statistics, and information that she gets from her job um, that honestly probably is not very much public knowledge. So that's definitely been um, a big part. So So I definitely have more of the, I guess, initial exposure is probably what a lot of people can relate to, but the ongoing Rachel's definitely been a big part of that growing drive. 
Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. I love how your stories are both so different, but how they both ended with the passion and the urge to do something. It's so great. Um, Daylin, you mentioned this, but yeah, a lot of people are still in the dark about the severity of trafficking and exploitation and that it is such a prominent issue and that it is so close to home. Um, it's an issue internationally and domestically. You know, even me, when I first heard about sex trafficking, it was in the context of commercial sex industry in Southeast Asia. And for a long time, I didn't think that it was an issue that was so close to me um, as I was living in the States. So Rachel, would you mind speaking into that a little bit? Can you maybe share with us what makes this such a global issue? Right. So I'm sure being, you know, you being in South Africa and us being here in Virginia, you've got a global audience and it's a global issue. The numbers are estimated to be that there's about 40.3 million victims of trafficking worldwide. Now that covers labor trafficking, sex trafficking, all different forms of trafficking. Um, my work specifically focuses on sex trafficking, but it's not limited to that. Um, but it's prominent wherever you are at, I can guarantee you that it's happening there. It is something you know that does hit close to home because not only is it happening everywhere in the world, um, even in places you least expected, it, it's not necessarily limited to only impoverished areas or, you know, what would be considered, you know, the typical scenario you think of taken like that sort of situation. It's not limited to that. It's often actually the number one way people are trafficked is through a romantic relationship. So building a relationship with someone online or someone they know, um, a trafficker posing as a boyfriend who then uh, eventually turns on them and becomes their trafficker. That's the number one way people are trafficked. So it's not stranger danger or being swept off in a creepy white van, as you typically think. It's through relationships. And the second most common recruitment tactic is familial relationships. So happening within homes, families, family members selling their children um, for anything of value, whether that's money or drugs. And so that's happening even here in the United States, very prominently, actually. And so it is not an issue that's far away. It's an issue that's affecting people in your own community. Um, and we've seen with COVID-19 and how the pandemic has played into trafficking, um, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in DC has reported a fourfold increase from 2019 to 2020 of online child sexual exploitation. So not only is it happening, it's growing and it's becoming more prominent, especially as we are all moving our lives online and children are moving their lives online. Predators have a lot more access to them online, right? And so, yeah, not only is it happening here in the United States. It's growing in the United States. Yeah, it's crazy. Like you said, it's not only happening, but it's growing and that there are so many that have been left vulnerable and that vulnerability is still growing. It's so crazy. The heart of the show is to step out, get behind those already in the fight and allow the Lord to work. So with that in mind and in context of the issue of sexual exploitation and trafficking, Rachel, starting with you, what are a few practical things that listeners can do to rally behind you and join in this mission? Yeah, I currently work for a nonprofit in Lynchburg called Freedom 424, and we often say there, everyone can do a little or a lot, but nothing is not an answer to this issue. And I think Dalen's a really perfect example of that. You know, he's not on our staff necessarily, but he is fully engaged and combating this issue with his own skills. So nothing is not an option. So there is something for everyone to do. And I would say the first thing is just to educate yourself. So we have some great resources. You 
can go to freedom424.org and we have education pages where you can just find information about what trafficking looks like in general, where you can get access to resources, you can learn more about what it looks like. And then the simplest and yet most effective way for someone to get involved in combating human trafficking is actually just to start with your relationship. You know, the two recruitment tactics I mentioned earlier have something in common and that's that they're relationship driven. And so if people are using relationships to exploit others, we can use our relationships to protect others. So invest in, you know, the young people in your life, be willing to have conversations with them, be willing to be that safe person for them. You know, a lot of times it's not reported or recognized because they don't have someone in their life who's a trusted, safe adult. And so something as simple as being that trusted adult can make a difference in preventing that from happening to them. So I'd say just start with your relationships, educate yourself, and then invest with that knowledge you now have into others in your life. That's something we could all do (laughs) regardless of, you know, where we're at in life, what stage we're at. There's always relationships we can invest in. Um, And then, of course, finding an organization that you can get involved with if you're passionate about volunteering. Giving of your finances and resources is always huge. Trafficking is a $150 billion industry worldwide. So it's going to take money to combat, you know, such a lucrative business. So even if you're not able to go and volunteer, finances do play a huge role. um, But just start with educating yourself and make yourself aware. Um, And there are plenty of resources to do that. You can start by using our website if you'd like. And I'll jump on too, especially with that one she talked about partnering with organizations that are already involved with human trafficking. So a little of my backstory for those who don't know me, I was in full-time ministry for a while. So this is coming from someone who's been in the church and obviously have seen a lot of people who are passionate about it. Um, And a lot of times, especially in the church setting, the instant reaction to, hey, we're passionate about this, we want to get involved is, hey, let's start a ministry here in the church. And just truthfully, I don't believe that is the best way to go about it for a lot of churches. Mm. Um, There are so many organizations that already exist that are doing a great job of combating human trafficking in a lot of different ways with opening up homes that are caring for domestic victims that are traveling overseas that are, I mean, just raising money for organizations all over the place. So there's so many different things and passion does not trump experience. And that's something that churches aren't going to have is the experience on how to best combat and fight against human trafficking versus there are a lot of organizations that already do that and do it very well, but just may not have all of the resources that your church can help meet the gap and provide. And sometimes it's monetary and sometimes that's people. And so regardless of whether it's a Christian or non-Christian organization, they're all fighting for the same thing at the end of the day. And so you as a church can use those organizations that are already there because the opposite side of that is all you're doing is taking away resources and money and spreading yourselves and other organizations way too thin, making it impossible to be effective. So I think for a lot of churches, I would challenge you, don't try to do it on your own. You know, Don't try to get a super passionate volunteer like have a volunteer maybe as a coordinator and helping research organizations or being the liaison with other organizations, but partner with already existing organizations and do your research, obviously. Um, so don't don't hear me say, you know, just jump in blindly to any organization trying to fight human trafficking. I think there's mm-hmm. prayer and wisdom that you have to seek for forming those relationships, but don't try to take it on your own because you're going to do more harm for the cause than you are going to do good. Yeah. And then I think for those that are just, once again, just individuals, 
sales is the same thing. There are so many organizations that are available that are already doing great things and need help and resources, once again, monetary or people to really help in the fight and what they're currently doing. A lot of them have great strategies already in place. And just because one maybe isn't in your local area, especially if you're from a uh, much smaller area of uh, the US, which definitely is possible. Once again, still challenging, You know, do not try to start your own because there's just so much you're not gonna have and know about to be effective in your area. So connect with organizations that are all over the place because, um, and as Rachel can tell, she's just from here in Virginia has talked to organizations all over the world and all over the United States that can really help you figure out what is the best way to partner with them, even if you're not in the same area. And that's very possible, uh, especially with technology today. Um, you can definitely partner with organizations that you're not close to, to figure out the best way to fight in your area without trying to reinvent the wheel. So, um, so that's how I'd say, honestly, regardless of individual or church, find organizations that already exist and partner with them. Um, you and they will be so much more effective that way. There's a really cool tool online through a survivor. She has an, a ministry and her name is Rebecca Bender. And she has a tool called a find your lane quiz. And you can go onto her website and take this quiz. And it'll, like I mentioned earlier, there are so many facets to human trafficking and ways to approach it through relationships, prevention, education, policy and legislation, fundraising, aftercare, so many ways to address this thing and it can be overwhelming. And so that quiz is a really good place to start because it'll help line up your skills and your passions with a way that you can engage in a meaningful way. And so I think, you know, Dalen is a graphic designer and he is working with Freedom 424 to help us create promotional material. And so, you know, there are so many skills we need that you might not even think of like, oh, I'm just a graphic designer. How can I help? You really can. And so the find your lane quiz through Rebecca Bender, but it's a yeah. great place to see where my, my passions and skills line up in the site. How can I use what I'm passionate about and skilled at? And then you can start looking for organizations that do that work, you know, because everyone's going to, you know, address the issue in a different way. So that's a great place to start if you're wondering how are my skills even relevant to, you know, fighting human trafficking. Yeah, that's so cool. You both have such a neat perspective and I love that so much. And you both touched on this as you were sharing, but I agree. And I think it's so important um, to join in with work that's already being done. Dalen, like you said, obviously doing research and understanding what an organization is actually doing is super important, but partnership is so key, both for the organization as well as the individual for the individual to realize that it's not their sole responsibility to end slavery. You know, there's a team that they can join in and fight alongside, as well as for the organization to have support in areas where they may need it most. You know, for me, I've often thought, oh, I'm just a photographer. I just do graphic design. How is that going to help in human trafficking? You know, um, and Dalen, I would love for you to speak into that feeling a little bit more and maybe share a little bit of your experience on how you've seen specific skills help in the fight against human trafficking. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I mean, for me, I definitely have more of a trade skill and there are certain trade skills that a lot of nonprofit organizations and definitely within human trafficking maybe are not the best at. And so a lot of times they do kind of look to outside help to really kind of fill in the gaps of some of the areas that they are missing. And so, you know, photography, graphic design, videography, you know, a lot of those visual 
aspects as well. So there's a lot of different things definitely that a lot of those organizations need help with. Um, there's certain organizations that, you know, work on building homes is kind of like halfway homes for victims of human trafficking. So people with, you know, construction skills, that's not something a lot of those people have, um, but need help in those areas, you know, building homes, building furniture, whatever that might be. I'm also an event coordinator uh, as well for my full-time job and Freedom 424 is one example, but they coordinate a lot of events and heavily rely on volunteers to come and be the leaders and the coordinators of those specific events all over the place. So I think you'd be very surprised how many different skills and talents or even aspects of your current full-time job not related to human trafficking can really benefit organizations um, where they maybe just don't have the resources or people to help with that and don't have the money to pay someone full-time to do that. But the other side too is networking is so big, um, especially as prevalent as an issue as this is, it is going to take an army to fight this and it takes networking to create that army. And so um, I know, if, especially for a lot of the full-time staff um, of different organizations that um, we've worked with and partnered with and have talked with, making those connections with individuals and other businesses and organizations are so huge, whether it's raising money to you know support the cause, whether that's doing different trainings on human trafficking, and that's something that a lot of these guys do, or going in and do education seminars and sessions about human trafficking to help within their workplace or different workplaces just to kind of help be aware. Regardless of what you have, there are some obviously very tangible things that you can help with. But if not, and it's like, hey, this organization's doing great, they don't need my specific set of skills, you probably know a specific set of people that they do not know that you could help get connected and involved um, with that organization and with the fight against human trafficking. So, so I think a lot of people sell themselves short, but you'd be very surprised what mm -hmm. skills you probably have that can be used. And if not, you know people that right. can also help and being that bridge between other people and the organization. So there is a mm -hmm. role for every person um, in the fight of human trafficking, especially with partnering with other organizations. Wow. So good. So good. Um, just real quick, before we wrap up this conversation, I would love if Rachel, if you would share a story from your experience of how you stepping out into what you were called to actually made a difference in a life. That's hard. I have a lot of, you know, stories that have been really meaningful to me and definitely not all of the stories are glamorous. Yeah. And uh, sometimes it is a long journey walking with that survivor through their trauma and their healing. But one of the stories is really what motivates me and keeps me going is remembering I work with <laughs> a lot of numbers and emails and administrative stuff on a daily basis. And so sometimes that can get lost the fact that every number is a person and a life. And so whenever I am just feeling overwhelmed and feeling like my work doesn't matter, I, you know, take myself back to a time when I was in Southeast Asia working at a rehabilitation home for minors who had been trafficked. And I did a lot of worship ministry back then. And so I sang a song during our time with the girls. And it was a song, it was called Beauty from Pain. And we translated it for them and talked about even in pain and trauma and hurt, God can use that 
you know, to make something beautiful and God can use our stories, um, even if it's not what we would have written. And I was talking to one of the girls afterwards through a translator and we were talking and she said that song was so beautiful knowing, you know, that all, everything I went through isn't for nothing, right? That it could be used to possibly help another girl or to prevent this from happening to another girl, that my story can have power and be beautiful. And we were talking about that and she said, you know, you go back home to America and even though you're so young, like you're able to travel, you're able to come here and you have this voice, people will listen to you. And I'm looking at her going, I am 14. I am like the only child on this trip. People will not listen to me. And she said, I can just tell when you sing, you know, you have this voice, you, you have a voice, you have a platform and, you know, you have to go back and tell our story and be our voice because people won't listen to me people don't know me. And I went back going, what am I going to do? I'm 14 years old. This is ridiculous. But going back, the amount of people that were asking me about my trip and about my time there, I realized I really do have a platform. I really do have people that are willing to listen and using that platform to talk about her story and to share her story and be her voice. You know, she's not able to come to America and talk about what happened or what needs to change to make sure that doesn't happen. But I can do that for her. Um, and that's, you know, biblically, we're called to do that, to be a voice for the voiceless and to advocate for the oppressed. And so every time I get overwhelmed by by just the mundane work I do sometimes. I think that I think back to her and remember, okay, I am being her voice and I need to keep going and sending all these emails because if I don't, who will speak up for them? So it's powerful and it's meaningful. Wow. I love that so much. And it confirms what we've all said so many times throughout this evening, but everybody has a part to play. Everyone has the opportunity to make a difference and getting involved does make a difference. It is worth it, you know? But yeah, seriously, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. And thank you to both of you, Rachel and Daylene, for joining me for this awesome conversation. It's been a great. Um, so thanks so much, y'all. Thanks for listening. See you next time.